This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians, and hopefully fellow animal lovers. Uh, this episode is going to maybe knock your socks off, or at least maybe you'll take your socks off while you're listening to the podcast. Ben, are you, what kind of animal person are you? I'm pretty much every animal person. Really? No, yeah, except for, I, I, the tales of rats and possums bother me. Well, as they should, they're, but they're other, disgusting. Yeah, but other than that, I'm, I'm super into animals pretty much every animal. So you're a bit of a Dr. Doolittle figure. Yes, yes. But I, I've been thinking about life lately, Noel, and maybe I should be a Dr. Do more. Yeah. So oh, I don't get sued. Ben, that's very good. That's very good. I like what you did there. I, uh, I'm a cat person, I guess, a mm -hmm. fair weather cat person. They kind of just, they sort of drift around my periphery and they don't really bother me too much. There's the occasional meow. I'm an indoor-outdoor cat person, mm -hmm. so... Not as much of a do-little as you, but um, I, I really do appreciate your, your commitment to the animal kingdom. Oh, man, where would we be without animals? As a matter of fact, where would we be without our super producer, Casey Pegram? Who, if ever an animal, is probably only a party animal. He is, he is, he's like Animal from The Muppet Show. <laughs> he plays drums about as, uh, as aggressively. <laughs> this, is, this is true. Casey yes. is an incredible drummer. Yes, this is true. We actually have a lot of very talented percussionists here at How Stuff Works. Maybe we can get a drum circle going on one day. However, 
today is not that day. No, today unfortunately. Is, but, you know, fortunately for other reasons. Right, right. Today is another kind of very special day. Uh, as you can tell from whatever we end up writing the title of this episode as, we are exploring a very particular type of candidate political candidate. One thing that's great about this country, almost anybody can run for some sort of office. And one thing that's great about this podcast is Noel and I are not launching out on this endeavor alone. We are joined by our returning guest, longtime friend of the show, uh, fellow Ridiculous Historians. Give it up for Christopher Hasiotis. Hey, good afternoon, uh, good evening if you're listening in the evening, good morning if we're waking you up, and if you are sleeping to this podcast, just keep on sleeping. No, wake up, wake up. <laughs> I don't think yeah. this is a good sleeping podcast, because no. it's a little too frenetic. Yeah. We're too high energy. A little ridiculous. Ah! Yeah. Wake, wake up! up! We could do an ASMR, you know, lower the voice, quiet storm. You want to talk about some animals? You know what? You know what cats I, you, you and guys, dogs. You know what I discovered the other day? What did a you podcast called, oh, It's called Sleep With Me. Have you heard of this? Oh, I, yeah. Is that, a, that, is that just a text you got? No, no, no. It's a <laughs> podcast. It's a guy who plays this character named um, the, the Divine Scooter or something like mm-hmm. that. And he just tells weird non sequitur stories in this very relaxing kind of uh, an unplaceable accent. And mm-hmm. it's just a delight. So if, you, if you're looking for a podcast to sleep to, I recommend Sleep With Me from but, American Public yeah, Media. But not this podcast. No, definitely not this podcast. So, Christopher, earlier you had given us this uh, amazing idea. You gave us a, a choice between two possible topics to explore. And the one we ended up going with was the idea of non-human political candidates. Yeah, that's right. There are... A lot of ways that people around the world choose their leaders and uh, one of the most popular in – if you're going to accept the pun, one of the most popular ways is to vote, right? (laughs) We we put folks in office that we as a whole decide will best represent the majority and um, best uphold the needs of the minority sometimes. I wanted to talk about non-human electoral candidates after we dug into the story of Hartlepool. Now, ridiculous historians, you will remember that this was the story of the monkey, perhaps, that washed ashore in Hartlepool, England. Mm-hmm. The Hartlepool monkey inspired – or the, the story inspired Hengus the monkey. Uh, Hengus the monkey was the mascot of the town, uh, the, the, the soccer team, and ended up becoming the mayor of Hartlepool. Now, you guys talked about this a couple weeks ago, and that got me thinking, let's dive into more of these weird, strange, ridiculous stories of things, of animals, of ideas that somehow made it on the ballot mm-hmm. and got into office. Okay, so so our rules of engagement then would be ideally non-humans of some sort that successfully ran for office? Uh, yeah, that successfully were part of a campaign. Yes, okay. let, let's stick with that because not all of these are winners, but that doesn't mean they're not worth talking about because there's some really weird, ridiculous stuff that we can get into. Now, I don't know if mine were necessarily successful or not. I didn't realize we had this criteria. Well, they were successfully candidates, right? That's they, fair. They, they were put forth. Yeah, exactly. Can we, is, that, is that good enough? Oh, yeah. Good, I, good, if good, they, good, if they good, didn't good. win, um, probably we're all better off for it. Yes, I think that's fair. So we each on our own went out and found a couple of great candidates, and we'd like to share some of these with you today. I love this idea, but the sad part is when we set off, we're not going to be able to 
cover all of the non-human candidates because there are surprisingly a ton of them. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. We were talking about doing this topic, and I'm like, surely not. Surely there's not (laughs) enough to fill an entire podcast with this. But yes, in fact, we've been able to do it, and we have leftovers on the cutting room floor. Maybe we'll do a part two. Yeah. yeah you, you, you underestimate the ridiculousness of, of human history and <laughs> how seriously or not we're willing to take our political process. That's true. And we found one of the very first examples of this, which I, I think, Noel, you had looked into. Oh, I get to go first? Oh, please. You're nominating please me? Okay. Well, I mean, I think— should, Wait, should, should, we, should, we, should vote? we vote? I guess That's we what we're should. Doing. Let's do the—let's let, let's hold true to the political process. Sure, okay, sure. I just—really quickly, let me just—okay, uh, here's a ballot. Uh-huh. Right, okay. I've made the ballot. Uh, I'm going to check my box. Uh-huh. Check. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to—voting for Noel. I yep. already did that. Mm-hmm. And I Great. will vote for myself. Perfect. Okay, are we, are we in agreement? Yeah, Casey Noel gets wins. gets the vote. Casey, what's— Oh, yeah, Casey. Vote? I hereby declare it shall be Noel. That's been Casey on the case. Casey on the case. Literally. He, he, made, it, he made a judgment there. He did. He made a ruling. Uh, okay. Uh, I like this one, guys. Have you guys ever heard of Pegasus, the, uh, the immortal pig? Yeah, Pegasus the immortal. I'm, did you say Pegasus? No, Pegasus, my friend. Pegasus. Hmm. It's a, I, it's, I, think it's, I, it's, I think I see where you're going with it's this. A, it's a bit of a pun, you see, because ah. Pegasus was a, uh, a unicorn, an alicorn. I'm not sure what the terminology is, mm-hmm. but a winged horse— is a Pegasus, and then I think Pegasus was the name of a particular winged horse from Greek mythology. Pegasus, on the other hand, was a, an actual pig, a spotted pig, that was obtained in the country and outside of the city of Chicago during the Democratic National Convention of 1968 by a little group you may have heard of called the Youth International Party, a.k.a. the Yippies. Yep. Yep, yep. You know these guys, Ben? <laughs> I am not terribly familiar with the Yippies. Well, they're pretty neat. Um, they were kind of a fringy sort of a band of merry pranksters during the 60s that would do sit-ins. But uh, mainly their whole bag, as, as they might have said, was kind of p- political theater, right? Okay. So they would stage these events that uh, were almost like a combination of protests and performance art, right? So yeah. one big one they did was during the March on the Pentagon in— in 1967 in Washington, D.C., the Yippies kind of connected with um, a bunch of different people, including um, kind of fringe weirdo filmmaker Kenneth Anger. Um, they were led by Abby Hoffman, who you may know of. He was uh, in Forrest Gump. He's a Forrest Gump fame. Mm-hmm. They hung out. He always wore like an American flag T-shirt. He wrote a book called Steal This Book. Um, you know, proponent of free love. I have uh, a copy of that book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you? I did. Did you? Did yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it says it. Yeah, I I kind of stole it. It was a a friend of mine was like, "This book is awesome. You should borrow it." Oh, you just you just borrowed it, and I never gave it back. So, what's the statute of limitations? When does borrowing become stealing? That's a a whole that's a whole other bag of badgers. That really, really is back to Pegasus. So, yeah, Abby Hoffman, um, you know, very influential kind of hippie revolutionary. I don't know what you want to call him. and his partner, a guy named Jerry Rubin, they co-founded the Yippies together. And when they did this event in D.C., they attempted to levitate the Pentagon. So they all sat around the Ooh. Pentagon and put their fingers underneath the, the foundation. Light and they claimed that they levitated it like an inch or something mm-hmm. or like a couple of centimeters. But again, it was all just like this kind of charade for the p- purposes of like making a big fuss and getting some attention and uh, riling up the squares. I will say, can you disprove that they 
levitated the Pentagon. Absolutely you not. Can't, you can't prove they didn't. No, you yeah, certainly yeah. can't. And that's sort of the, the the beautiful thing about it. I actually first heard about this from a really cool um, – it was just like a kind of a broadside, um, like the creative loafing type thing, like a like a free paper called Arthur Magazine. Mm-hmm. It was out of San Francisco, and they actually had a really cool music festival years ago that's mm-hmm. discontinued. I think the the paper is too, but there was a cover story about this whole yippee movement and the levitating of the Pentagon. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember the yippies in further detail, but I, I still have a question. With Pegasus? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't even, like, delved into yeah. that one yet. So Pegasus, yeah, again, like I said, they uh, obtained this pig from a farmer outside of Chicago, uh, and they said it wasn't super easy. Um, Hoffman and some of his compatriots wandered around looking for a pig farm, and they had to kind of, like, get directions to find one. And they finally found one, and they decided they, – they had this pig that they named Pegasus for the purposes of nominating it for the presidency – Uh, during the Democratic National Convention, because this is how they put it. Uh, This is their campaign pledge. Quote, they nominate a president and he eats the people. We nominate a president and the people eat him. And they also justified that if, you know, the nomination didn't work out, they could just eat the eat the pig for breakfast. So uh, the Democratic nominee um, was a guy by the name of Hubert H. Humphreys. And he was, of course, running against Richard Nixon. uh, And the Yippies put forth a nominee for their party, whatever that, the Yippie Party, I guess, which was Pegasus the Immortal. Uh, And here's a quote from Jerry Rubin about the whole thing. He says, we want to give you a chance to talk to our candidate to restate our demand that Pegasus be given Secret Service protection and he be brought to the White House for his foreign policy briefing. So, you know, they had some demands. Mm -hmm. um, But but here's the thing. It it really didn't go over super well. Um, Jerry Rubin was actually about to give this speech in front of the statue of Picasso in uh, what is today called Daly Plaza in Chicago. And no sooner did he get up there, they actually paraded the pig through the streets. Um, they I think they brought it in in like a station wagon of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then they brought it out and had it on a leash. Um, they were arrested. And for all intents and purposes, they arrested the pig or at the very least confiscated it, right? So that that's pretty silly. Hmm. Um, and it was August 23rd of 1968, and the pigs came in, mm-hmm. busted in, arrested the pig, the actual pig, along with um, a folk singer by the name of Phil Oakes, a guy named Stuart Albert, and uh, Reuben himself, and they were hauled off to the clink. Um, and the pig was actually taken to the Humane Society, and there was a whole uh, court case surrounding this where they were kind of trying – to get them on charges of animal cruelty and obstructing a right-of-way of some kind with this vehicle that they paraded it in with. And uh, supposedly, according to Jerry Rubin, um, one of the cops came in when they were in lockup and they said, all right, boys, you guys are going away for a long time because the pig squealed on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course they did. Of course. No, what I want to know about Pegasus, though, and I've been wondering this the whole time we're talking, did Pegasus have wings? Absolutely not. What? Sorry, Christopher. That's an outrage. Here's the thing, though. It was sort of a pun on, again, pig and pegasus, but also the old adage, you know, when pigs fly. Oh, gotcha. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. This whole time I've been thinking of, uh, I don't know if you guys know the um, back cover of Prince's first album. We're going to take a little (laughs) musical digression here. Please. But, you know, this is is the podcast. And um, there's a a naked prince sitting astride uh, a glorious white pegasus all in a really soft focus and this whole time i've been thinking about <laughs> prince sitting atop 
a pig with wings. That's that a, that's great. Pretty yeah. incredible. I'm sorry. Like I know you've been giving us really good information, but I, I, all I've been thinking about is Prince on top of a pig. Well, that you know that just shows where your mind is, and it's a <sighs> it's a dirty mind. It, it, I think it it's is. I think it's a beautiful mind, great place. Also, I don't know if we pointed it out. Pegasus was not a tiny boy. No, no, no. There's a picture of the cops wrangling this this boy, and he's you know he's about the size of a of a of a human boy. He's like 140 something yeah, pounds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. He's probably. I mean, pigs are pretty dense. I That's think true. He's That's a lot true. More. That's very true. He packs a lot of substance in there. Yeah. It's in this picture with the cops, they're they're also laughing about it. They they, they you know as as is evidenced by this comment about the pig squealing. Yeah, on they him. seem like fun cops. They seem like fun cops. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess if it's 1968 and we're in Chicago, a lot worse things happen than people uh, wrapping up a pig and. Mm-hmm. Booking him, the uh, the cops kind of cracked well, down at that. Uh, well, at that that's th- that's the thing exactly. So just as a, for a little bit of background before we move on to some more ridiculous uh, non-human candidates, um, yeah, this was a big year um, because of all of the anti-war protesting, um, all the protesting around Vietnam. Uh, they there were like something in the neighborhood of twelve thousand police deployed, six thousand National Guard, and over seven thousand somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy five hundred army troops there to kind of help deal with all this chaos because people. People were coming and descending on this city and this convention to let the powers that be know that they were not going to stand for this aggression. Oink, oink, oink. Indeed. So <laughs> this was a nice kind of tongue-in-cheek way for the yippies to poke a little fun at this without, you know, getting into a shooting match with the, with the fuzz. And what's interesting here, a common thread that I think we'll be discovering as we, as we continue, what's interesting is that often these candidates exist – as a form of protest, almost exclusively. It's very rare for someone to, or a group of people, to seriously elect an animal or a thing and expect it to do the job. But I, I think it's such a, a powerful form of protest. That's you know? true. And my other one, just to for a little tease, is is sort of a, a combination of protest, but it's more of a, a form of humiliation and craziness, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that's <laughs> I was setting you up for that. I think that's one of the earliest ones. But let's I think so too. let's pause on that one and let's let's turn to you, Christopher. I think Nolan and I mainly have animals, but you you've got a couple of uh, inanimate. Yeah. Objects. I do. Well, uh, we're going to start with one inanimate one. The next one is is animate but not alive. Uh, we'll explain what that means when we get to it. But, Noel, since you have us in the mid to late 60s, let's stick there. We're going to go to 1967, so a little bit before Pegasus had his uh, his day in, in uh, I don't know, like his, in the frying pan, in the, before his bacon got booked. Yeah. Sure. I like it. I'll All right. That. Yeah, so let's, let's go, go back it. a year. It's 1967. We're going – South of the equator to South America, we're in Ecuador. There's a small town called Picoaza. Mm-hmm. Now, Picoaza is on the uh, is close to the Pacific coast of Ecuador. It's a small town. There's just four thousand people. They've got an election coming up. Mm-hmm. They really want to put someone in place who's going to represent everybody in town. And all of a sudden, these news reports showed up after the election in the United States, and the winner of the mayoral election, according to these reports in the in the U.S. Pico Aza in Ecuador elected a foot powder as mayor. Hold on. We'll, we'll rewind that. Will you, will you say that again? A foot powder, a, t- a talc, a talcum, <laughs> a nice white uh, powdery substance to absorb the moisture in your feet. Um, you know, whatever uh, you, I guess you can use it in other sweaty parts of your body to, uh, sure. to reduce chafing that you might have. Uh, in fact, 
the it's like a gold bond situation. Yeah, yeah. sort of like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Was there a brand associated yeah, with this candidate? Yeah, or was this okay? Okay, good. Yeah, there's a specific brand. It's okay. called uh, Pulva Pies Talco. Oh, Pulva Pies means foot powder, powder <laughs> of the feet. Yeah, very clever. Foot powder very, very talco. Clever. Yeah. Um, so what happened is this foot powder Pulva Pies, they put out ads. And they kind of you know there's there's an election coming up. You see this today when the presidential election is coming up, and uh, Coca Cola and Pepsi might have some sort of fake campaign ads saying, vote for Pepsi, we're the choice of whatever you want it to be. And I, sorry, I don't want to toss out their slogans, but um, same thing happened 50 years ago. So Pulva Pies, this talcum powder, put out uh, ads to kind of take advantage of the of the political spirit of the time. And they, they had a slogan that said, vote for any candidate, but if you want well-being and hygiene, vote for Pulva Pies. And people did. People, people did. did. People okay. Did. Wow. Well – Here's the thing. Okay. So the day before the election, Pulva Pies talcum powder put out a flyer. They distributed it around town, and the flyer was made to look like one of the ballots that would uh, indicate the choice in tomorrow's election. And I really, really, really encourage anyone listening to this podcast to go look up this ballot. We'll post a link to it on the Ridiculous Historians Facebook mm-hmm. group. But this ballot – it has the, this visage of a of a creepy, terrifying foot, right? Okay. So that imagine a big yellow foot. Yeah. Is it like a cartoon it's a car- rendering? It's a yeah, it's okay. a cartoon foot, but uh, the foot is, um, what's the what's the bottom of your foot called? The palm of the your soul. foot. Yeah. The soul. Yeah. Exactly. The foot. So imagine the sole of your foot looking right at you. There are eyes on the sole, mm-hmm. a nose, a mouth. The toes are kind of hanging forward. Over the front of the sole of the foot, Ugh. like like long bangs. Nightmare fuel. Yeah. He's wearing a suit and a bow tie, giant foot head, and uh, he's got two hands, two arms. You know, he's a kind of anthropomorphic foot. It's weird that he has arms. It's we- he- And one hand is giving the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. The other hand is giving the V for victory sign, so covering all the bases for, mm-hmm. for winning. Yeah. And, and he's cut off at the waist. So I don't know if the foot has a foot, has two feet. Mm-hmm. Is a mystery. I don't want to know the answer to this or if mystery. He's just technically speaking, uh, what a cephalopod? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's actually a cephalopod. Or I'm guessing, though, in place of feet, he has two little heads, two little people heads that he's there walking we go. on. This is cool. This is so the stuff of nightmares. Was this like a, like a publicity stunt by the foot powder manufacturer? Like an ad campaign. It it was basically just a, a promotional stunt. But I think I think what you run into is a little bit of. American mid-century uh, narcissism, mm-hmm. looking at foreign countries as a little exotic, a little behind the times, and uh, kind of having the, the journalists here in the States having a little bit of a laugh at the folks there. Because mm-hmm. what, what was reported is that this foot powder won the election. And uh, basically people were having a laugh saying, oh, these people are so dumb they voted for a foot powder. Or this foot powder is so much better than these other candidates that, that people actually believed the slogan and went for it. Uh, turns out what is likely to have happened, first of all, it wasn't actually a vote for mayor. It was a vote for a municipal councilman. Mm-hmm. So slight difference there. And the pamphlets, the brochures that Pulva PS distributed did in fact look like the ballots. And so it what what people theorize is that when they had to turn in the ballots, people grabbed the wrong one and put them in the ballot box. And, and it, people weren't actually voting for a foot powder. Mm-hmm. And when the votes were tallied – 
yeah, there were a lot of these foot powder ballots in there, but they were tossed out. Wait a minute. A real person that's, took over. That's like some Russian meddling in the election right there, my friend. I mean, did they not get, like, uh, in trouble with the government for doing this? So I actually looked into it, and there's not a lot more out there, uh, especially not in English. Uh, there's not a lot in Spanish. I tried to dig into mm-hmm. some, some Spanish-language newspapers and couldn't find much. And I actually emailed the city. Of, of, of course, great. Of course, I, yeah. Did. I emailed Due the diligence. city of Pico Esa, uh, got no response. Um, the municipal website it actually goes into a good amount of detail on the town, but omits a certain incident in 1967 for mm-hmm. which I would think they're most well known. I would either hire slash promote the person behind that ad campaign or have them kicked out of the country. That's just, I mean, you can't mess with the vote that way, but that's brilliant. But kicked out with a nice, dry, hygienic foot. Indeed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because oh, clearly I, the stuff spread like wildfire after mm-hmm. this thing, right? You got to powder your feet, man. I want to know what their market share became after this uh, incident. I want to know if they'll sponsor us. <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty humid here in Atlanta, too. That's true. That's true. That's amazing, though. Okay, f- so we've got foot powder for president. We've got mayor, the, the municipal municipal councilman. Yes, excuse me. Sorry, the story is mayor. Not so true. Kind of true, mm-hmm. but still ridiculous. Pig for president. Mm-hmm. Foot powder for mayor. Sure, let's say let's just say mayor. Mayor ish. Mayor esque. Yeah. So yeah. far, Ben, who are you voting for? Pig or foot powder? Foot powder. Cool. Yeah. FP. Uh, so I'm just. I also like that it's an idea that it's not a just one particular box or tube of foot powder. It's the concept of foot powder, which is pretty neat to vote for something that that abstract. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? I think you know. It's Hmm. Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. 
they also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Only well, you know you can. <laughs> so don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's this. There's always a catch. So when we heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, what's the catch? So we dug in. And after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. Can you believe that? Mint Mobile's got a secret sauce, babies, and it is that they sell wireless service online and by doing so, cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet, delicious savings directly onto you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I have something I thought you guys would be very interested in. It is a story that comes to us from West Texas, a little town called Lajitas. And in Lajitas, this is a, an area about the size of almost Connecticut, right, with maybe 10,000 people, and it's very small. In the 70s, if you walked by the Lajitas trading post, you would tend to see a lot of the same people, a lot of the same conversations occur, How's the weather? Did you see the game? Stuff like that. Yeah, small town. Everyone knows each other. Mm. Did you hear the news about Ecuador? They elected a foot powder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's ex So you were there. You were there, Christopher. Uh, I've been to Texas. You've been to Texas. But they also had their own versions of local celebrities. And one of them it was a fellow named Clay Henry. Clay Henry the first. Clay Henry hung around at the Lajitas trading post for years and years. And in eight, 1986, he entered politics. Uh, his qualifications included a love of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And the race for mayor was organized by a man named Walter Misher, who was a Houston businessman. And he thought, you know, it would be a good promo thing. Good PR, right? Yeah, so so Clay Henry's get, getting involved in politics. Mm -hmm. It's a good name. It's a good solid mm -hmm. kind of a political name, I think. It is a great political name. You're right about that, Christopher. But he he was perhaps best known, this goat, uh, for his consumption of booze, uh, upwards of 40 beers a day. I'm sorry, Ben, yeah. can we rewind a bit? Did That's you say goat? Yes. Oh, did I not mention that part? As in greatest of all time? <laughs> well, at least in Texas, there's a couple of different levels. Yeah, he's a goat. Whoa, wait a minute. All right, you, you buried the lead here, man. Clay Henry is a drunk, belligerent goat. Okay. His qualifications include drinking a cartoonish amount of beer and, I quote, headbutting constituents without provocation. Not only 
is he uh, famous in this town? Uh, but he's he was famous in the region. People would come to see, you know, to have a beer with the mayor, and he was known for walking around the trading posts and other places in town. And if someone didn't hand him a beer, he would just find someone and take it, find their drink and take it. Huh. And there's a great article in the Houstonia by Peter Holly that describes the experience with the first Clay Henry in 1992 because he was mayor for essentially the rest of his life. I never actually witnessed Clay Henry drink a beer. I did see him slam them, guzzle them, and ferociously ingest them at a rate capable of incapacitating a full-grown man in minutes. To see it in person was nothing short of incredible. Do you think he shotgunned them or funneled them too? Yes. Yes. Really? Yeah. I could I could see a goat just, just eating the whole can, just a full mm-hmm. can of beer, just mm-hmm. chomp, chomp, chomp. So not only is he a physical goat, he is also a goat greatest of all time yeah. when it comes to being a goat that drinks Great, copious amounts of beer. At least greatest of all Texas. There you go. There there we go. We got there. Yeah, so one of the questions you would have is how does he drink without thumbs? There are two answers. The first, there's a holster that they affixed to in his office that, you know, you could put a bottle in it, like a water feeder for a hamster cage. And then sometimes he would just go up to people and bug them until they got him a Lone Star. Because, of course, it's a Lone Star beer. That's what he drinks. And he would polish off a 12-ounce bottle in 10 seconds or less. And here's the thing. This guy was so popular that one of his offspring was elected mayor later, Clay Henry Jr. And then Clay Henry Jr. was so popular that they elected a third goat mayor, Clay Henry III. Clay Henry III, unfortunately, was involved in an altercation uh, wherein a local who had probably been drinking, or we don't know if they had an argument because all three Clay Henrys are pretty heavy drinkers. Clay Henry III was attacked. Ouch. One of his testicles was cut off. Ooh. Aye. He stayed in office. Of course he did. Well, you know. You don't need both testicles to stay in office. Especially if you're a goat. Yeah. Right. You get all the headbutting done in your early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, surely one goat testicle is like the equivalent of several human testicles. I don't know why I think that, but uh, <laughs> I'm putting mean, it out there. You mean in terms of like the chutzpah? Fortitude, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and just the, the sheer gumption that it go. Goats are very stubborn, and they eat like everything. And uh, this goat surely was no different. Also, goats have those weird snake octopus-like oh, eyes. terrifying. Yeah. Uh, favorite goat, I don't know about you guys, but my favorite goat, sorry, uh, Clay Henry, my favorite goat is and will always be Black Phillip from The Witch. It's a good one. I thought maybe you were going to go with Gregory, the uh, hungry goat. <laughs> no. 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 There's, a, there, there's, a, there's a spot up in North Georgia called Goats on the Roof. Have you guys been there? No. Goats on the Roof? No, but there is a place around here where you can rent a goat to mow your lawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good business. Yeah. My pal Scott Benjamin is actually a huge fan of those guys. Perfect. Okay. So we have... A successful line of goat mares. The goat dynasty. The goat dynasty. We have the foot powder candidate, Mm -hmm. not elected. And we have the pig president, not elected. But we have more to find. I want to see a runoff between the drunk goat and the pigasus. I don't know, man. That goat has, like, has the political game locked down. You think so? Yeah, they know how to play it. Was there an election every time? I'm picturing... A goat on a deathbed, you know, kind of wheezing its last breaths. <laughs> and a- as it says goodbye to this mortal coil, 
passing along the uh, the mayoral mm-hmm. responsibilities to the next goat in line. Well, he, here's the thing: the mayor, the position of mayor in this small town contains no actual duties or responsibilities. I think the original Clay signed one thing with a hoof, but essentially their mayor is just there to drink. To drink beer. To drink beer. You know what? I'm sure there are a number of towns around the country that would think something similar about their own mayor. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so what? what's next? What's our next animal? Oh, boy. Next one, we get to talk about my favorite Roman orgy uh, connoisseur, psychopathic uh, emperor. Um, That kind of rhymed. Connoisseur and emperor? Sure. I got there with the the rhyme scheme. Um, By the name of Caligula. Also, one of my favorite, um, you know, fully pornographic um, yet artistically rendered films. The one in Esperanto? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Wait. Is it? Is there a version of it in Esperanto? I think it's totally in Esperanto, yeah. isn't it? No. Starring William Shatner? No, 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 no. no, no. I'm talking, talking about the one with Malcolm McDowell. Oh. Uh. That was the one that was produced by, like, the publisher of Penthouse. I'm just kidding. It's not really my favorite. But it is, in fact, a pretty epic film with a giant budget um, that depicts the life and times of, of the Roman emperor Caligula, who had many uh, predilections, um, including uh, fondness for uh, coupling with his sisters, mm-hmm. um, basically just a total hedonist. Um, there's some stuff in the film that I don't know if it actually happened, but there's a part where he's buried his enemies up to their necks in the sand and then has this crazy like threshing lawnmower head cutting machine that just like s- goes over them and cuts all their heads off. Um, I would, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, Noel, yeah. and I just want the listeners to know you are making some amazing hand motions right now. I'm sweeping back and forth. Yeah. Sort it's, of like it's, the, I wish everyone yeah, could see this. I know. You Maybe you should do some sort of like a like a – a gif or a boomerang Maybe on so. social media. You know, we need to get better at that. We need to do more like real-time podcast studio hijinks. Sure. Talking yeah. about Caligula, sweeping my arms back and forth. Why don't we just stuff. get somebody in here to film us while we're recording this? We, maybe we could recruit somebody from our social I'll team. have to put on pants, but you know what? That's a— um, No, it's fine, Ben. It's a t- it's a sort of a waist-up no, view. Of that's you a hill here. I'm willing to die on for the good of the show. Yeah. Well, speaking of dying on hills, um, that probably happened a lot in Caligula's day in terms mm-hmm. of his enemies because he uh, was pretty— Pretty brutal, and one of his main group of enemies was the Senate because he was always constantly beefing with the Senate because he, you know, was basically like trying to be a complete and utter totalitarian ruler. And you know, they still kind of had a semblance of a little thing called democracy, or at least what was it like a republic, right? In in Rome, um, so he was not fond of the Senate, and in fact, legend has it this is this is a little unconfirmed, um, but there's there's a few historical accounts of this happening. He had a horse that he was quite fond of, a horse with this is a doozy of a name. Let me see if I can like if I can do this one. A horse by the name of Incitatus. It's actually not that hard, but yeah. when you look at it. No, you, you built it up. I I'm I'm excited. I'm so glad. Yeah, There's yeah, more. Yeah. So this was his favorite horse. He loved this horse. He loved it more than he loved probably any human person in his life to the point where he he got this horse, uh, had it fashioned a, a jeweled collar. Um he even like had like a special like manger built out of ivory for it. He had a star all made out of marble, um, and, and supposedly some accounts say that he bought him his own, very own house. So that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, for you a got horse. it made if you're the emperor's horse. Yeah, you, I also heard he owned slaves, though. The horse did. Yeah, 
That's in one of the accounts. Can a horse really own anything, though? I mean— It's a great question. Yeah. It's he just, owned Caligula's heart. He did own Caligula's yeah. heart. And apparently he was fed with uh, food with, like, gold flakes built mixed in mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, because gold is, is, is important to consume for, for animals. Caligula was a big fan of consuming—or at least bathing in gold himself. He's a very pro-gold guy. He is very pro-excess. Yeah. And a big part of this was he was constantly— thumbing his nose at the poor and just like, you know, wanted to just be as decadent as possible, display it as openly as possible with as little shame, zero shame as it turns out, as possible. And another thing he liked to do was humiliate the Senate because mm-hmm. they were like his nemeses, you know, these these senators, these puffy, you know, stuffed shirt senators. So supposedly he put forth Incitatus to become a consul. Like an official consul. Uh-huh, an official consul. But he's a horse. He's a horse. But it doesn't matter because it's uh, a very special horse endowed, you know, surely endowed with the same amount of wisdom that any of these, you know, lifelong politicians possess, at least according to Caligula. And uh, a big part of this was obviously to kind of humiliate them and say, you know, a horse could do your job, you morons. Mm-hmm. And you're going to like it. You're going to take it and you're going to you going to he's going to live amongst you and he's going to vote. He's going to hold up his hoof. You know, that's how he's going to vote, obviously. Um, but apparently this did not go through because Caligula was was just universally hated for obvious what? reasons. Why? So, yeah, what do you mean? He was just kind of a he was kind of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. What with the thresher head chopping machines and the the crazy Roman orgies with <clears throat> sisters and he just wasn't a wasn't a good look for this guy. It's and funny it, how that, yeah. that can turn people off. You know, yeah. the, the chopping off of heads and such. Yeah, you would think it was just a different time. But I like to think, I know this is not true folks, but I like to think that the horse becoming uh, console was the last straw. I feel like the horse burn is what set out everyone over the edge. The horse burn. Horse burn. I like that. He elected a horse or he appointed a horse to burn his enemies. So it's a horse burn. Are you familiar with the move horse bites the corn? No. I, I'm, is, I'm mystified. It's when you it's when you take your slightly your, terrified. It's when you take your hand and make it into a C shape. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. And then you grab someone right above the knee and you go, horse bites the corn. And it's the most annoying Are thing. Are you serious? Yeah. Is this like I, a is this a is this a, a brown family? Yeah, thing? I no, think this it's is just, just it's, you, it's, man. maybe it's just my friend Tyler. It's a thing that he he does to me all the time and, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it, I hate it. And it gets a rise out of me every time. Why do you it's a very strange relationship. It is a very strange relationship. Maybe Google it and see if other people do it, because it sounds like he's just making up reasons to grab you. Wow, you're right. It's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Sure. Well, okay. So. Yeah. What's it called yeah. when you squeeze just above someone's knee? It's called a horse bite that or, guy's, or a horse bite's corn. That guy is making this up. So, Okay. Horse bites aside, Caligula, super unpopular, he, he, he was assassinated. He, he, he died. And mm-hmm. so the horse did not ascend to the consulate. Right. It was before the horse was able to get in, which is a shame. We'll never know how history would have changed. I would have liked to see the horse's fiscal policy, you know, mm-hmm. play out in the, in the Senate. I would like to see it bite some corn, you know. I'd like to see the horse out there pressing the flesh kissing the babies, giving complicated speeches, having political intrigue. I'm getting carried away. Christopher, what's next? Uh, I, I, we, we need to stick on the horse for one second more because yeah. Yeah. I, I want to hear a horse put things up for a vote. 
I want to know if the horse is going to vote yay or or nay. Ah, worth it. Yeah, it was absolutely worth it. Sorry. We had to do it. Yeah, you absolutely. We were required contractually to do that dad It's the reason I'm here. And you are, in fact, a dad now. So you're allowed to be, you're in the the exclusive camp of of the dad joke elite. It's the us jokes, yeah. Uh Exactly. And, you know, people say politics these days are just a horse race. Uh, Yeah, all right. Let's move on. Let's uh, move on. Let's quit horsing around. All right. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm going to bring us from the Roman Empire back to modern times. So uh, we can debate how historical this is, but it's part of modern history. I want to tell you guys about Dustin. Dustin the wind? No. Dustin the turkey. Ah, yes. Dustin the turkey is not actually even a turkey. What? Dustin the turkey is a turkey vulture. But Dustin the turkey is not even a turkey vulture. Dustin the turkey Mm. is a puppet turkey vulture. Whoa. Yeah. So... (sighs) 
one of the fun things I think about traveling the world is you get to see pieces of pop culture that are so deeply enmeshed in other countries that you've never heard of. Sure. You know, folks come to the States and they're like, what is this purple dinosaur, Barney? Like, I, it's confusing. Go to Ireland, you'll be confronted with Dustin the Turkey. So Dustin the Turkey is, is a character. He's a television presenter. He's a puppet who was on TV. He made his debut in 1989 on the show The Den. It was on RTE, which is kind of the Irish uh, version of PBS here, mm-hmm. the kind of publicly funded broadcasting. Um, Dustin the Turkey was on the show until 2010. And I want to paint a picture for you of Dustin the Turkey. Imagine a cloth creature that looks like a mix of Gonzo from the Muppets mm-hmm. with Bernie Sanders kind of. You know Statler and Waldorf, the two cranky guys also in The Muppets? Yeah, so, yeah the hecklers. Yeah, imagine Statler. He's the one with kind of the, the ring of hair around his head, that sort of Bernie Sanders, Larry David hairstyle. <laughs> um, cross him with Gonzo the Muppets' big weird beak, and you get a cranky, strange, odd turkey puppet. Now, Dustin the turkey, he's, he's a very specific kind of turkey He's from Dublin, and he spent a lot of time – he's kind of a, a, a roustabout. He's got a strong attitude, and he loves his city so much. He speaks out specifically as an advocate for Dublin itself. He's got a very strong Dublin accent. And uh, I think, Casey, if you could cue up the soundbite we've got from Dustin himself. You brought a clip? I brought a clip. Well done, Christopher. And that's why I'm here. Overachiever. Not just jokes. There's nowhere that matches Dublin. Sure, don't we have uh, the biggest rock and roll band in the world? Yeah, Aslan! Oh, all right, you too, okay. And we have James Joyce, yeah, the bell Jimmy Joyce. Madzer, but brilliant fun with it. Glenn Hansard, okay, he mightn't watch, but listen, he did once. <laughs> and that's, that's, okay. that's Dustin the Turkey. Is, he's that, a, is he voiced by Colin Farrell? <laughs> he's a Dubliner through and through, but he's, he's deeply Irish, so much so that in 1997, Dustin ran for president of Ireland. Oh, cool. Yeah. How far did he get? He did not get far at all. In fact, he had troubles with getting on the ballot because Dustin is a one-named guy. He just he's just Dustin the Turkey. And you've got to have two names to get on a ballot. That was what that was the technicality. He worked his way around it by listing himself as Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> oh, great. So it wasn't that okay, so he was able to overcome that bureaucratic obstacle. Uh-huh. And that was apparently more important than the fact that someone has their hand inside of him and is orchestrating his movement. He is truly a puppet, a political puppet. But uh, the thing is, Dustin went nowhere in 1997 with that candidacy, nor a, a subsequent one for president. However, in 2008, I've got to ask you guys, are you guys familiar with the Eurovision Song Contest? Yes, I am. No? Just oh, a thing for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like uh, America's Got Talent or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but right? super huge, super popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ireland is a country known for its song, its story, its its oral tradition. We've got all this great music from Ireland. Ireland is actually the winningest country on the Eurovision Song uh, Contest. Oh, cool. Yeah, for, for decades. They've won seven times. Sweden is number two with six wins, but Ireland tops it with seven wins. One of those wins, however, was not in 2008. And this is where Dustin comes in. So the way the Eurovision Song Contest works is every country has its own kind of championship round where mm-hmm. five or six songs from that country are voted on locally, all those, um, the winning songs from each country then go to the finals, wherever that is every year. And then Europe as a whole and parts of North Africa and the Middle East vote on who the winning song is that year. In 2008, 
the champion in Ireland, the one who beat out actual musicians like Maya, like Donald Skian, like Liam Geddes, was Dustin the Turkey. Yeah. So in 2008, Dustin the Turkey was the Ireland representative in the Eurovision Song Contest. His song, Ireland Deuce Point, uh, it's a really dumb name that kind of is a mispronunciation of Ireland 12 points in French, which is the number of points needed to win this the Eurovision Song Contest. So saying the name or the title of the song would sound like someone is saying that Ireland had won, but it didn't. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this competition, this election is what Dustin the Turkey won. And you can actually go on YouTube. You can find his performance at Eurovision. Did not win at all it, overall. Um, but it's this weird psychedelic nonsense song about the competition itself. It's sort of metatextual. Dustin the turkey is sitting inside of a shopping cart with backup dancers painted in gold dancing next to him. There was some confusion among the judges. Well, I would imagine there's a lot of confusion among the judges whether he should be disqualified because you're only supposed to have a certain number of people on stage for your performance mm -hmm. and did the puppeteer actually count as an extra person and so did Dustin the turkey actually violate the Eurovision Song Contest rules by having a man hidden under the cart with his hand up his butt something we all want to know yeah. oh, wow. and oh yeah puppet I got it Sorry. Right. yeah it's a puppet so what happens to Dustin the turkey later? Is he still around? Du Dustin is still around. Dustin, he did not win the finals in the Eurovision Song mm -hmm. Contest, but he did then go on to campaign that next year against the Lisbon Treaty, which was a, an EU policy treaty. Uh, so Dustin has been involved in political life. He went on to record with um, – release albums <laughs> – with artists like Ronnie Drew of the Dubliners, uh, Bob Geldof of the Boomtown Rats. No uh, yeah, and you know you can still use the hashtag VoteDustin to look up what's going on with the Poultry Party, which is Dustin's official group. Uh, Dustin also is taking things global. He became a UNICEF ambassador for Ireland, this ugly, foul-mouthed, crass little puppet. And he went to South Africa to the KwaZulu-Natal region to learn about the plight of people with HIV and AIDS. Wow. Yeah. Well, positive change through comedy. I yeah. Guess. So he, he he won an election. He lost an election. He's a weird puppet. Um, but he's got the people behind him. It's not even an animal. He's now officially my favorite turkey buzzard because I just – I said at the beginning I love animals, but those things freak me out. Turkey buzzards? Yeah. How about puppets? How do you feel about puppets? Um, pro puppet. Yeah? Yeah. I ben, you got a pet puppet, don't you? You do I have a puppet, yeah. You don't call him a pet, though. That's sort of, uh, excuse that's, me, that was insulting. That's unfair to Steven. Who is it, companion? Is it, technically an intern. Steven? Okay. Still? You're really formal with him now. I thought he was Steve. He's earned He's earned that second syllable. P-H or V? P-H. Okay. <laughs> there was a moment of tense silence between us just now. I hope we're still friends. We are, and uh, if you're out there listening, if you're a Steven with a P-H, if you're a Steven with a V, we're happy to have all of you. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. We'll Maybe we can put a... Put a picture of the puppet on the on the social medias one day. This this is interesting though that you were talking about a political party because this is not my second thing, but this reminds me of the inanimate objects party. Did you guys hear about this? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a party that is based in Troy, New York, and their main thing is that we should elect more inanimate objects in uh, political office. Their main candidate is an inflatable whale named Arthur Galpin. And uh, their other major candidate is an albino squirrel. Their symbol, their formal symbol is a fork. 
but check them out. But that squirrel is is not an inanimate object. So I'm I'm already seeing some flaws in their in their yeah, policy. I think they're a fractured party, mm. to be honest with you. But wait, you're saying that it's not a serious thing? That that people who put forth inflatable whales are not <laughs> taking this process seriously? Perhaps I'm saying comedy is in the eye of the beholder. Fair enough. God, I hope they take it really seriously. Um, but this this leads us to um, an example of when these animals or these non-human candidates become a matter of very serious, important, non-comedic stuff. And this story takes us to Brazil. It is the story of a female black rhinoceros named Cacareco. Cacareco was, uh, in 1958, she was residing at the Jardim Zoológico do Rio de Janeiro. I am not a Portuguese speaker. But you could be. Yeah, I just have to try harder. So Kakareko was the daughter of Britador and Teresina. And in 1958, she was loaned out to the Sao Paulo Zoo. People knew about this rhinoceros, and they didn't say particularly kind things about her. In the case of the drunk goat mayor, people like the drunk goat. They like the bit. Uh, yeah, he hangs out. He has a beer. Mm-hmm. Maybe a whiskey. I don't know. Right, who knows? But in the case of Kakareko, people would say this rhino is dumb as a doornail, has the the brains of a peanut, and is still the best, uh, still like the best possible political candidate. So in 1958, a group of students print over 200,000 ballots with Kakareko's name on them, and the ballots are all legitimately cast by voters. One person, because you could write in, this is a write-in election, one person said, better to elect a rhino than an ass. You see, this election was the result of serious and valid concerns about rampant corruption in the Brazilian political scene, especially in Sao Paulo. And not only did she end up winning, she won by a landslide, and it was one of the highest totals for a local candidate in Brazil's history to that date, which is weird because we also have to point out people who are familiar with uh, the way voting goes in the U.S. will know that our country is notorious for a lot of people just not voting. It's way, way worse in Brazil, or it was at that time. And so this was a way to get people engaged, or were they protesting the actual people who were on the ballot? Both. Mm-hmm. Both. Uh, Brazil seemed at the time, according to some sociologists, to be on the threshold of revolt. It was seen as a general protest from people who had varying different objections to the way things were going. There were food shortages. The cost of living was going up. Of course, political corruption, as we already meant. Uh, and some voters, there were actually multiple forms of protest. Some voters in the same election uh, voted in local politics by putting black beans in the uh, ballot envelope instead of the actual ballot. So this is kind of a way for people to say, our choices are so poor, we would rather have not just a rhinoceros, but a dumb-as-beans rhinoceros. Right, yes. And Kakareko dies in 1962, but her legacy lives on today. Uh, there's a widely used term that derives from her name, I think you, you've heard about before, voto kakareko, which means kakareko vote. It's kind of, it's almost like kangaroo court, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. a rhino vote. And uh, she also inspired the formation of the Rhinoceros Party of Canada, 
whose members went on to appoint the rhinoceros Cornelius I as their leader. You know what a rhino is in American politics? Uh, Republican in name only. I love that. It's not like the perfect acronym, but it no, works. No, no, I'm, I'm just yeah. fond of acronyms in general. You know, yeah, this about yeah, me, yeah. Man. You know, that's about me. And there's something about Brazil. I think, like, I, I think they have fun with their politics there too, because I think in the 80s or 90s there was a monkey who ran for office, uh, Macaco Chow, who was a, a chimpanzee. You who, know what? That was on one of the lists it was. for for this uh, this whole thing that we're doing, this crazy experiment. Yeah, I think we really need a part two, guys. I think we should cut back for part two because we did pretty well, but we only had a total of six and then maybe a couple of ancillary mentions. Why do they call it kangaroo court? Because in the early days of the formation of Australia, all judicial positions were occupied by kangaroos. Of course. I don't believe it. They were wallabies. (laughs) They were wallabies. You're right. Nobody gives enough credit to the wallabies' role in the uh, creation of Australian government. But – Maybe we can in part two if it actually happened. We can't just make up a wallaby story. Christopher, we want to thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always a blast to have you over. Hey, thanks for having me here, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I, I really love digging into these weird, ridiculous facts and sharing them with everyone. And we have not seen the last of you. Spoiler alert, if uh, if Casey, Noel, and I have our way, you will be returning to the show at sometime sooner rather than later. This could be like a recurring episode. I don't know. I like this. There there were so many more that we got to. Or maybe we could just do other list episodes like this in the future. I would like to get an animal and see if we can get it in office or at least in the running for a position in Atlanta. Or maybe we could at the very least have one as a guest on the podcast. Uh, Yeah, see, I thought you just said I would like to get an animal in the office, and I thought you were going to bring a rhinoceros here into the studio. I'm also open to that. At least an inflatable whale. Yeah, at least in it. See, see, this is— Cut from the same cloth. Yeah, cut from the same same inflatable cloth— Uh, We hope that you enjoyed checking out this episode. Write to us and let us know if there are any notorious animal or at least non-human politicians in your neck of the global woods. Thanks, of course, to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. And Eves Jeffcoat, who is not here, but is also an incredible uh, uh, research associate for um, this show, along with our illustrious guest, Christopher Hasiotis, who I can thank for the first time. Not the first time. I've thanked you for stuff. But in person, it's nice. Here I am. The human touch. Yeah. Thanks, Noel. Thanks, Ben. (laughs) Thanks, Casey. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Uh, So find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Post your favorite pictures of uh, non-human politicians. These questions are becoming increasingly specific as we continue with the show. I love it. Love it. Yeah, post some. We'll see if we can... uh, Get someone to start filming in the studio as we record. And uh, stay tuned for our next episode, which is... It's about a Napoleon thing. It is. It's, it's Nap- we don't He's your man. It. He's your guy. He really is. He's done a lot for this show, you guys. I know he's not perfect, but he has done a heck of a lot for our show. Agreed. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.
Com. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Did you catch Season 3 of This is Digital? Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including digital lessons from the EV revolution and the chief digital officer's role in disruption and culture, featuring guests like Ekta Chopra of Elf Beauty and Tyson Jomini of J.D. Power. Do you have a digital mindset? Find out by checking out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.